You're listening to The Jungle Book by Rudyard Kipling. This audiobook is brought to you by Kriti and it's narrated by Aishwarya. Chapter 5 Ricky Tikki Tabby. At the hole where he went in red eye called the wrinkled skin, he what little red eye saith, "Nag, come up and dance with dead, eye to eye and head to head. Keep the measure, nag. This shall end when one is dead. And thy pleasure, nag." turn for turn and twist for twist run and hide thee nag ha the hooded death had missed o betide thee the nag this is a story of great war the ricky tikki tabby fought single handed through the bathrooms of the big bungalow in seagull cantonment darcy the tail bird helped him and chanchara the muskrat who never come out into the middle of the floor but always creep around the wall gave him advice but ricky tikki did the real fighting he was mongoose rather than a little cat in his fur and his tail but quite little a weasel in his head and his habit his eyes and the end of his restless nose were pink he could scratch himself anywhere he pleased with any leg front or back and he closes to use he could fulfill the tail till it looked like a bottle brush and his war cry as he scuttled through the long grass was ricky tikki 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 one day a high summer flood washed him out of the burrow where he lived with his father and mother and carried him kicking and clunking down a roadside ditch he found a little wisp of grass floating there and clung to it till he lost his sense when he revealed he was lying in a hot sun on the middle of a garden path very draggled indeed a small boy was saying here's a dead mongoose let's have a funeral no said his mother let's take him in and dry him perhaps he isn't really dead they took him into the house and a big man picked him up between his finger and thumb and said he was not dead but half choked so they wrapped him in a cotton wool and wrapped him over a little fire and he opened his eyes and sneezed now said the big man he was an englishman who had just moved into a bungalow don't frighten him and we'll see what he does it's the hardest thing in the world to frighten a mongoose because he's eaten up from nose to tail with courteously the motto of all the mongo family is run and find out and ricky tikki was a true mongoose he looked at the cotton wool decided that it was not good to eat ran all around the table sat down and put his fur in order to scratch himself and jumped on the small boy's shoulder don't be frightened teddy said his father that's his way of making friends ouch he's tickling under my chin dad said teddy ricky tikki looked down between the boy's collar and neck snuffed as his ear and climbed to the door where he sat rubbing his nose good gracious said teddy's mother and that's a wild creature i suppose he's so tame because we've been kind to him all mongoose are likely that said her husband if teddy doesn't pick him up by the tail or try to put him in a cage he'll run in and out of the house all day long let's give him something to eat They gave him a little piece of raw meat. Ricky Tikki liked it immensely, and it was finished. He went out into a veranda and sat in the sunshine and fluffed his fur to make it dry to the roots. Then he felt better. There are more things to find out about his house, he said to himself. 
that's all my family could find out in all their lives. I shall certainly stay and find out. He spent all the day roaming over the house. He nearly drowned himself in the bathtub, put his nose into the ink of a writing table and burnt it on the end of the big man's cigar for he climbed up in the man's big lap to see how writing was done. At nightfall, he ran into the Teddy's nursery to watch how kerosene lamp were lightened and when Teddy went to bed, Ricky Ticky climbed too. But Teddy's mother wouldn't think of anything so awful. Early in the morning, Ricky Ticky came to the early breakfast in the veranda riding on Teddy's shoulder and they gave him banana and some boiled egg. He sat on all their laps one after the other because every well-grown-up mongoose always hopes to be a house mango someday and have rooms to run about in. And Ricky Tiki's mother had carefully told Ricky what to do if ever he came across white men. Then Ricky Tiki went out into a garden to see what was has been seen. It was a large garden, only half cultivated with bushes as big as summer houses of martial nail rose, lime and orange trees, climbs of bamboos and thickens of high grass. Ricky Tiki licked his lip. This is splendid hunting ground, he said, and his tail grew bottle brushy at the thought of it and he scumbled up and down the garden, snuffing here and there till he heard very sorrowful voices in a thorn bush. It was Darcy, the tailor bird, and his wife. They had made a beautiful nest by pulling two big leaves together and sticking them up to the edges with fibers and had filled and hollowed with cotton and downy fluff. The nest swayed to and fro as they sat on the rim and cried. What's the matter? said Ricky Tiki. We are very miserable, said Darcy. One of our babies fell out of the nest yesterday and Dag ate them. Hmm, said Ricky Tiki. That's very sad. But I'm a stranger here. Who is Nag? Darcy and his wife only cowered down in the nest without answering, for from the thick grass at the foot of the bush there came a low hiss, a horrid, cold sounded that made Ricky Tiki jump back to two clear feet. Then inch by inch out of the grass rose up a head and spread hood of Nag, the big black panther, and he was five feet long from the tongue to tail. When he had lifted one-third of himself clear of the ground, he started balancing to and fro exactly as a dantlian tuff balances in the wind, and he took at Ricky Tiki with a wicked snake eye that never changes their expression, whatever the snake may be thinking of. Who is Nag? said he. I am Nag, the great god Brahma, put his mark upon all over people when the first cobra spread his hoot to keep the son of Brahma as he slept. Look and be afraid. He spread out his hood more than ever, and Rikitiki saw the spectacular mark on the back of it that looked exactly like the eyepot of a hook and high fascinating. He was upright for a minute, but it's impossible for a mongoose to stay frightened for a length of time and thought Ricky Tiki had never met a live cobra before, his mother had fed him on dead ones, and he knew that all grown mongoose business in life was to fright and eat snakes. Nag knew that too, and at the bottom of his cold heart, he was afraid. 
Well, said Rikki-Tikki, and his tail began to flop up again. Marks or no marks, do you think it's right for you to eat flagling out of the nest? Nag was thinking to himself and watching the least little movement in the grass behind Rikki-Tikki. He knew that mongoose in the garden meant death sooner or later for him and his family, but he wanted to get Rikki-Tikki off his guard. So, he dropped his head a little and put it on one side. Let's talk, he said. You eat egg. Why should I not eat birds? Behind you, look behind you, said Darcy. Rikki-Tikki know better than not to waste time in staring. He jumped up in the air as high as he could and just under him whistled by the head of Nagaina, the nag's wicked wife. She had crept up behind him as he was talking to make an end of him. He heard her savage hiss at the stroke of mist. He became down almost across her back and if he had been an old mongoose, he would have known that he was the time to break her back with white bite. But he was afraid of the terrible lashing return stroke of the cobra. He bit, indeed, but did not bite long enough and he jumped clear of the whizzing tail, leaving Nagaina torn and angry. Wicked, wicked Darcy, said Nag lashing up as high as he could reach towards a nest in the thorn bush. Rikki-Tikki felt his eyes going red and hot and he sat back on his tail and hinged legs like a little kangaroo and looked all around him and chatted with rage. But Nag and Nagaina had disappeared into the grass. When a snake misses its stroke, it never says anything or give any sign of what it means to the next. Rikki-Tikki did not care to follow them for he did not feel sure that he could manage two snakes at once. So he tottered off to the gravel path near the house and sat down to think. It was a serious matter for him. If you read the old books of natural history, you'll find they say that when mongoose fight the snake and happens to get bitten, he runs off and eats some herbs that cures him. That's not true. The victory is only a matter of quickness of eye and quickness of foot snakes blow against mongoose jump and has no eyes can follow the motion of snake's head when it strikes. This makes things much more wonderful than any magic herb. But just as Teddy was stopping, something rickled a little in the dust and a tiny voice said, Be careful, I am death. I was Karait, the dusky brown snakeling that lies for choice on dusky earth and his bite is dangerous as the cobra's. But he is so small that nobody thinks of him and so does the more harm to people. Rikki-Tikki's eyes grew red again and he dances up to Karait with the peculiar looking, swaying motion that he had inherited from his family. It looks very funny but it's so perfectly balanced, a giant that would fly off with it at an angle you please and in dealing with a snake, this is an advantage. If Rikki-Tikki had only known, he was doing a much more dangerous thing than frightening Nag. For Kayat is so small and can turn so quickly that unless Rikki bite him close to the back of the head, he would get the return stroke in his eyes or lips. Teddy shouted to the house, Ho! Look here! Our mongoose is killing a snake! A Rikki-Tikki heard a scream from Teddy's mother. His father ran out with a stick, but by the time he came up, Karate had lunged out once too far, 
and Rikki Tikki had sprung, jumped on the snake's back, and dropped his head far between his foreleg, bitten as high up the back as he could get hold, and rolled away. That bite paralyzed Karate, and Rikki Tikki was just going to eat him up from the tail. After the custom of his family at dinner, when he remembered that full meal makes a slow mongoose, and if he wanted all his strength and quickness ready, he must keep himself thin. He went away for a dust bath under a castor oil bushes, while Teddy's father beat the dead karate. What's the use of that? thought Rikki Tikki. I have settled it all, and then Teddy's mother picked him up from the dust and hugged him, crying that. He had saved Teddy from death and Teddy's father said he was provinced and Teddy looked on it with big scared eyes. Rikki Tikki was rather amused at all about the fuss which of course he did not understand. Teddy's mother might just as well have petted Teddy for playing in the dust. Rikki was thoroughly enjoying himself. That night at dinner, walking to and fro among the wine glass on the table, he might have snubbed himself three times over with nice things, but he remembered Nag and Nagaina and thought it was very pleasant to be patted and pet by Teddy's mother, and to sit on Teddy's shoulder, his eyes would get red from time to time, and he would go off into his long war cry of ricky tiki 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 Teddy carried him off to bed and inserted on ricky tiki sleeping under his chin. Ricky Tiki was too well bred to bite or scratch, but as soon as Teddy was asleep, he went off for his nighty walk round the house, and in the dark, he ran up against Chuchurandra, the muskrat creeping around by the wall. Chuchundra is a broken hearted little beast. He whimsers and creeps all day night, trying to make up his mind to run into the middle of room, but he never gets there. Don't kill me said Chunchindra, almost weeping. Ricky Tiki, don't kill him. Do you think a snake killer kills muskrat? said Ricky Tiki scornfully. Those who kill snake gets killed by snakes, said Chunchindra, more sorrowfully than ever. And how am I to be sure that Nag won't mistaken me for you some dark night? They're not the least danger, said Ricky Tiki, but Nag is in the garden. I know you don't go there. My cousin Chua, the rat, told me, said Chuchundar, and then he stopped. Told you what? Shh, Nag is everywhere, Rikki Tikki. You should have talked to Chua in the garden. I didn't, so you must tell me. Quick, Chuchundar, or I'll bite you. Chuchundar sat down and cried till the tears rolled off his whisker. I'm very poor, man, he sobbed. I never had spirit enough to run into a middle of the room. Shh. I must tell you anything. Can't you hear Rikki Tikki? Rikki Tikki listened. The house was as still as still, but he thought he could just catch the faintest scratch scratch in the world, a noise as faint as that of vast walking on a willow pane, the dry scratch of a snake's scales on a brickwork. That's Nag or Nagaina, he said to himself, and he's crawling into the bathroom slice. You're right, Chichundar, I should have talked to Chua. He stole off to the Teddy's bathroom, but there was nothing there, and then to the Teddy's mother bathroom. At the bottom of smooth plaster wall, 
there was a brick pulled out to make a sluice for bath water. And as Rikitiki stole in by the manstro curve, where the bath is put, he heard Nag and Nagena whispering together outside in the moonlight. When the house is empty of people, said Nagena to her husband, he will have to go away and the garden will be our own again. Go in quietly and remember that the big man who killed Karate is the first one to bite. Then come out and tell me and when we'll hunt for Ricky Tiki for the people. Everything, when there were people in the bungalow, did we have any mangoes in the garden? So long as bungalow is empty, we are king and queen of the garden. And remember that as soon as our egg in the melon bed hatch, our children will need room and quiet. I had nothing of thought of it, said Nag. I'll go, but there's no need that we should hunt for Ricky Tiki afterward. Ricky Tiki tingled all over with rage and hatred at this, and then Nag's head came through the slice, and his five feet of cold body followed it. Angry as he was, Ricky Tiki was very frightened as he saw the size of a big cobra. Naga coiled himself up, raised his head, and looked into the bathroom in the dark, and Ricky Tiki could see his eyes glitter. Now, if I kill him here, Nagan will know, and if I fight him on the open floor, the odds are in his favor. What am I to do? said Ricky Tiki Tavi. Nag waved two and four, and then Ricky Tiki heard him drinking from the biggest water jar that was used to fill the batch. That's good, said the snake. Now, when Karate was killed, the big man had a stick. He had the stick still, but he comes into the bath in the morning and will not have a stick. There are no answer from outside, so Ricky Tiki knew Nagaina had gone away. Nag coiled himself down, coil by coil, round the bulget at the bottom of a water jar, and Ricky Tiki stayed still as death. It must be heard, he said at last, the head above the hood, and when I am once there, I must not let go. Then he jumped, the head was lying a little clear of the water jar, under the cover of it, and his teeth met. Ricky braced his back against the bulge of the red earthware to hold down the head. This gave him just one second purchase, and he made the most of it. Then he was battered to and fro, as a rat is shaken by a dog, to and fro on the floor, up and down, and around in great circles, but his eyes were red, and he held on as the body cart whippered over the floor, upsetting the tiny side of the bath. Ricky Tiki held on with his eyes shunt, for now he was quite sure he was dead. But the head did not move, and the big man picked him up and said, It's a mongoose again, Alice. The little chap has saved our lives now. Then Teddy's mother came in with a very white face and saw what was the left of Nag, and Ricky Tiki dragged himself to Teddy's bedroom and spent half the rest of the night shaking himself tenderly to find out whether he was really broken into forty pieces as he fancied. When morning came, he was very stiff, but well pleased with his doing. Now I have Nagain to settle with, and she will be the worse than fine nags, and there is nothing to know where the eggs she spoke of will hatch. Goodness, I must go and see Darcy, he said. Without waiting for breakfast, Ricky Tiki ran to the thorn bush where Darcy was singing a song of triumph at the door of the will. 
This news of Nag's death was all over the garden for the sweeper that had grown body through the rubbish heap. Ho, oh, you stupid tough of feathers, said Ricky Ticky angrily. Is this the time to sing? Nag is dead, is dead, is dead, sang Darcy. The valiant Ricky Ticky caught him by the head and held fast. The big man brought the bandstick and Nag fell into two pieces. He will never eat my babies again. All that's true enough. But where's Nagaina? said Ricky Ticky, looking carefully around him. Nagaina came to the bathroom's Lewis and called for Nag. Darcy went on and Nag came out of the end of the stick. The sweeper picked him up on the end of the stick and threw him upon the rubbish heap. Let's sing about the great, the red-eyed Ricky Ticky. And Darcy filled his throat and sang. If I could get you up to your nest, I'll row your babies out, said Ricky Ticky. You don't know when to do the right things at the right time. You're safe enough in your nest there, but it's war for me down here. Stop singing a minute, Darcy. For the great, the beautiful Ricky Ticky's sake, I will stop, said Darcy. What is it, O killer of the terrible nag? Where's Nagaina for the third time? On the rubbish heap by the stables, mourning for nag, great is Ricky Ticky with the white teeth. Bother my white teeth? Have you ever heard where she heaps for egg? In the melon bed on the end nearest the wall, where the sun strikes nearly all day, she hide them near three weeks ago. And you never thought it worthwhile to tell me. The end nearest the well, you said. Ricky Ticky, you're not going to eat her eggs. Not eat exactly. No, Darcy. If you have a grain of sense, You'll fly off to the stables and pretend them your wing is broken and let Nagaina chase you away to this bush. I must get to the melon bed and if I went there, now she should see me. Darcy was a feather-brained little fellow who could never hold more than one idea at a time in his head. And just because he knew that Nagaina's children were born in eggs like his own, he didn't think at first that it was fair to kill them. But his wife was a sensible bird and she knew that cobras egg meet young cobras later on. So, she flew off from the nest and left Darcy to keep the babies warm and continue his song about the death of Nag. Darcy was very little of man in some ways. She fluttered in front of Nagaina by a rubbish heap and cried out, Oh, my wing is broken. The boy in the house threw a stone at me and broke it. Then she fluttered more desperately than ever. Nagaina lifted up her head and hissed, You warned Ricky Tiki when I would have killed him. Indeed and truly, you have chosen a bad place to be lame in, and she should turn Darcy's wife slipping around all over the dust. The boy broke it with a stone, shrugged Darcy's wife. Well, it may be some consolidation to you, when you're dead to know that I shall settle accounts with your body. My husband's life on a rubbish heap this morning, but before night the boy in the house will lie very still. What's the use of running away? I'm sure to catch you, little fellow. Look at me. Darcy's wife knew better than to do that for a bird who looks at a snake's eyes gets so frightened that she cannot move. Darcy's wife fluttered on, pimping sorrowfully and never leaving the ground, and Nagaina quicked her place. 
Ricky Tikki heard them going up to the path from the stables and he raced from the end of the melon patch near the wall. There in the warm litter above the melons were cunningly hidden he found 25 eggs about the size of batman's egg but with whiskin skin instead of shell. Ricky Tikki I led Nagena towards the house and she was going into the veranda and ho oh, come quickly she means killing. Ricky Tikki smashed two eggs and tumbled back down the melon bed with the third egg in his mouth and scuttled to the veranda as hard as he could to put the foot on the ground. Teddy and his mother and father were there at early breakfast but Ricky Tikki saw that they were not eating anything. They sat stone still and their faces were white. Negain was coiled up on the matting by Teddy's chair. Within easy striking distance of Teddy's bare leg and she was swaying to and fro singing a song of triumph. Son of a big man that killed Nag, she hissed. Say still. I'm not ready yet. Wait a little. Keep very still all you three. If you move, I will strike and if you don't move, I will strike. Ho oh, foolish people, who killed my nag? Teddy's eyes were fixed on his father and all his father could do was to whisper, "Sit still, Teddy, you mustn't move. Teddy, keep still." Then Ricky Tikki came up and cried, "Turn around, Nagaina, turn and fight." "All in good time," said she, without moving her eyes. "I will settle my account with you presently. Look at your friends, Ricky Tikki." They are still and white. They are afraid. They are not to move. And if I come to know about them, I will strike. Look at your eggs, said Ricky Tikki, in the melon bed near the wall. Go and look, Nagaina. The big snake turned half around and saw the egg on the veranda. Ha! Give it to me, she said. Ricky Tikki put his paws on one edge of the egg, and his eyes were blood red. What price for a snake's egg? For a young cobra? For a young king cobra? For the last, the very last of the brood. The ants are eating all others down by the melon bed. Nagena spun clear round, forgetting everything for the snake of the one egg. Ricky Tikki saw Teddy's father shoot out a big hand, catch Teddy by the shoulder, and drag him across a little table with the teacups safe and out of reach of Nagena. Trigged, 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 Ricky Tick, chuckled Ricky Ticky. The boy is safe, and it was uh, I caught that nag by the hood last night in the bathroom. Then he began to jump up and down, all four feet together, his head close to the floor. He threw me to and fro, but he could not shake me off. He was dead before the big man blew him into two. I did it, Ricky Ticky. Come then, Nagaina. Come and fight with me. You shall not be a window log. Nagaina saw that she had lost her chance of killing Teddy, and the egg laid between Ricky Tikki's paw. Give me the egg, Ricky Tikki. Give me the last of my egg. I will go away and never come back. She said, lowering her hood. Ricky Tikki was bounding all round Nagaina, keeping just out of reach of a stroke. His little eyes light hit the whole goals. Nagaina gathered herself together and flung out at him. Ricky Tikki jumped up and backward, again and again, and again she struck, and each time her head came with a whack 
on a matting of a veranda she gathered herself together like a watch sack he has forgotten the egg it still lay on the veranda and nagaina came nearer to nearer to it till at last while ricky tiki was drawing breath and she could catch it in her mouth turned to a veranda step and flew like an arrow down the path while ricky tiki behind her when the cobra runs her for her life she goes like a whip lash or flicked across her horse neck ricky tiki knew that he must catch her or all the trouble would begin it again she headed straight for the long grass by the thorn bush and as he was walking ricky tiki heard darcy still singing his foolish little song of triumph but darcy's wife was wiser she flew off her nest and nagaina's came alone still the instant delay brought ricky tiki up to her as she plunged into the rat hole where she and nag used to live his little white teeth were clenched on her tail and he went down with her and very few mongoose however wise and old they may be cared to follow a cobra into his hole it was dark in the hole and ricky tiki never knew when it might open out and give nagaina's room to turn and strike at him he held on savagely and stuck out his feet to act as brakes on the dark slopes of the hot moist earth then the grass by the mouth of the hole stopped waving and darcy said it's all over with ricky tiki we must sing his death song valiant ricky tiki is dead for nagaina will surely kill him underground so he sang a very mournful song that he made upon the spur of the minute and just as he could go to the most touching part the grass quivered again and ricky tiki covered with dirt dragged himself out of the hole leg by leg licking his whiskers darcy stopped with a little shout ricky tiki shook some of the dust off his fur and sneezed it's all over he said the widow will never come again and the red ants that lives between the grass stems heard him and began to drop down one after the other to see if he had spoken the truth ricky tiki curled himself up in the grass and slept where he was slept till it was late in the afternoon for he had not done a hard day's work now he said when he woke up i will go back to the house tell the comper smith darcy and he will tell the garden that nagaina is dead the copper smith is a bird who makes a noise exactly like the beating of little hammer on a copper pot and the reason he is always making it because he is the town crier to every indian garden and tells all the news of everybody who cares to listen as ricky tiki went up to the path he heard his attention notes like a tiny diner gone and then the steady ding dong dock nag is dead dong nagaina is dead ding dong dock that set all the birds in the garden singing and the crocks frocking for nag and nagaina used to eat frog as well as the little birds when ricky go to the house teddy and teddy's mother and teddy's father came out and almost cried over him and that night he ate all that was given to him until he could eat no more and went to the bed on daddy's shoulders when teddy's mother saw him when she came to look at night he saved her lives and teddy's life she said to her husband just think he saved all our lives 
Ricky Tiki woke up with jump for the mongoose all light sleepers. Ho, it's you, said he. What are you bothering for? All the cobra are dead. And if they weren't, I am here. Ricky Tiki had a right to be proud of himself. But he did not grow too proud and he kept the garden as a mongoose should keep it, with tooth and jump and spring and bright till a never cobra dare showed his head inside the wall.